This is Infection, the survival podcast recorded on Tuesday, December 26th, 2017, episode 154. And a Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope everybody's had a uh, had a fantastic Christmas with uh, family and friends. My name is Nick Craig. You can follow me on Twitter at Nicholas M. Craig. This is Infection, the survival podcast. Merry Christmas, Brian. How the heck are you? Merry. I am doing wonderful. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, we're all festive here. Look at this. Look at how. Look at all this festiveness. It's it's fantastic. Yes, it's snowing. You have a hat on. Santa hats on. It's great. Yes. Top notch. Yeah, see, for those that are listening. You know, we, we got all these other podcasts, <laughs> the all these imitation podcasts. This is the real this is the real deal right here. Look, I got Christmas lights on the yes. stairs. This is the real deal. It's Christmas. Uh, wonderful nice. theme. Uh, the remake of the theme done by our good friend PHVCK a couple of years ago uh, that we use on Christmas. So want to thank him for that. Now, we're recording this show actually. On December 14th, and uh, I am uh, packing up and getting ready to uh, drive up to New York tomorrow morning, so uh, we decided we are going to record this Christmas show uh, a little bit early, and we're not going to really cover any news, um, because we weren't going to do a show on the day after Christmas, and of course, you know, Brian, we're no schmucks here, we're no pod faders, we're in for the long haul. Make Um, it happen. Yeah, exactly, make it happen. (laughs) So we uh, decided that we're going to do more of just a topical show, and not really cover specific news itself we're not going to be talking about arc or h1z1 um and we'll have that again for you next week uh with the latest news so we've got a couple topics and we've asking people for a couple weeks what do you want us to talk about there's some bigger topics that you want us to cover and we've got a couple of them on here of course net neutrality that came down today as we're recording this hopefully we'll be able to jump into that a little bit later on in the program um but the first thing brian we've kind of been jumping around back and forth with this stuff free to play versus pay to play and the DLC market and this whole thing and and this all spawned up from uh, of course games like Fortnite versus a game like PUBG you look at uh, likewise a game like Team Fortress 2 which is now free to play versus games uh, shooters like Call of Duty Um, and it's a very interesting conversation to be had of your free to play games typically have a pay to play element um, because of course yeah. they are free. If you remember back, I know you remember back, but for the audience, H1Z1 was originally slated to be a free-to-play game, um, and and yeah. we actually had a petition. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the signatures, but we we accumulated uh, hundreds of signatures uh, to to, you know, to tell, voice our opinion at daybreak that we didn't Asking want them, free-to-play. Yeah. Don't make it free-to-play. And, and originally, when it was announced as free-to-play we were probably a little more accepting of some of the revenue mechanics that they're putting in as far as the skins and everything, because you figured, okay, they're selling crates. They're they're offering all these skins because that's going to be the revenue model. Uh, and so you were more accepting that, okay, some things are going to happen. We're going to have things that we normally probably wouldn't want to have in there because it's going to be a free to play game. But then it turned out to where it's never going free to play yet the funding mechanisms for it never changed which it is remained a, that they were doing all these skins and everything else now which which of course is a huge problem and you brought up, you brought up an interesting point to me as well you mentioned um you know how does this affect games the the, the whole yeah okay hey i i decide tomorrow i'm going to make a game 
Yeah. There's a whole bunch of options. I can go the early access route where I charge, as we saw with Conan, they charged uh, $29.99. The game is now releasing here in, in uh, the early part of the year. They're going to be charging uh, $39.99, so they're going to be taxing or adding $10 on top of that. There's that model. There's the just build the game and release it. There's Kickstarter. There's just make the game completely free. We saw what um, uh, the Life is Feudal did where they released essentially a mock isn't the right parts word. of the game yep. parts of the game a, a little section of the game to fund their bigger goal chronicles of illyria which is a game we saw at pax is going to have something and a huge kickstarter huge kickstarter um and their funding model i think is going to be somewhat similar where they're going to release a little bit of the game to try to boost revenue up to then fund what is uh, supposed to be like literally the biggest game that's ever existed in terms of size and and and, and player base yeah. um it's, I mean, if I was a game developer today, there's about a million different ways I could go with with all of these things. I mean, Brian, you've I know yeah. dabbled in some of this stuff a little bit. What is your what what is your reaction to free to play versus pay to play and the quality of the game? I mean, do you have any just general thoughts for so, us? So, I think that originally uh, this whole free to play model kind of stemmed from, and you have to think of it as kind of before this started peaking out a little bit before Steam happened. Okay. And I think a lot of it was a reaction to the piracy that was happening because there wasn't a really solid way to prevent people from just sharing the game and having a bunch of copies of the game. So one person would have the game, they would share it with all their friends, and and these companies viewed that as, okay, we're not receiving any funds for all these people that now own the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so they found that, okay, well, let's go to a free-to-play model and we'll come up with microtransactions, ways that people get something inside of the game uh, by doing these payments. And in a way, that's still paying for the game. I mean, exactly. that's how they kind of justified it. You're paying for the game. Um, and initially, some of these companies would make these mic microtransactions purely cosmetic. I mean, you mentioned Team Fortress 2, mm -hmm. which uh, their whole cosmetic system kind of boomed out of hats like for some reason Literally. people <laughs> really took to these hats and so the the whole market just blew up people were paying all this money just to get all these different variations of hats uh now i think that with this it changed over time to where now we're getting the issue of having people getting into pay to win games to where they're like okay well people are willing to pay for these hats but what if we let them pay some money and maybe they'll get a little bit of an advantage over the other player? Uh, and I think that this is where it's transitioned to. Uh, you see it a lot on mobile games uh, to where the top tier of Clash of Clans, uh, Clash Royale, uh, and there's there's plenty of other ones to where the top tier of players are probably pumping in a hundred to hundreds of dollars a month yeah. just to be able to maintain keeping that top tier of character because you can't maintain it just playing the game. Now I do want to stop you for um, so one I second. Think free to play I, is I think a kind of a false at some point is is a false term. Now I, I want to stop you for one second because I do have it in question. I want to give I want to say this right off the bat. At least my personal opinion is I am perfectly okay with microtransactions. People there's this hatred for microtransactions across the internet. Speaking for myself, I am perfectly okay with microtransactions and i'm asking you the same question brian what are your thoughts with microtransactions i'm fine with microtransactions that are cosmetic okay uh, my only issue with microtransactions is when it impacts gameplay now if this is a game that i paid for 
originally, like like you see with H1Z1 and there's all the microtransactions inside of it, I'm less accepting if for some reason it gives them something I don't have access to. Um, if, if they keep it purely cosmetic, I have no issue playing the game and, and not participating in the cosmetic part. I could care less about the, co the cosmetics of it. It's the second that it starts to impact me to where I cannot compete with a person who's willing to pay extra money. That's where I get into issues. I, I don't mind paying for something that doesn't affect whether or not I can compete with that person. You know, they just may look cooler doing it. Yeah, and of course we saw the big, um, big drama with EA recently. Of course, with their new Star Wars game, where they you essentially had to, you really had no option. It was like I saw one stat; it was like fifty three hundred hours worth of in game time to get whatever one of the top tier things were, um, which is an unrealistic, yes. of course, an unrealistic amount of time to to actually, yeah. you know, unlock. Well, something. I mean, okay, I mean that's that's not totally unrealistic but the issue is when you give somebody the option um well, let's take a look at one of the the games that can take a huge amount of time wow mm -hmm. right wow is a game that um, back in the day the reason that people enjoyed it so much is because you had to put in that kind of time to really compete at the top levels uh there is an an option now to where you can pay and you'll get a token that takes you to level 100 hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't give you an advantage beyond that you're you're not you're still having to put in the work that's not the part that like someone getting a jump to 100 isn't putting them in competition with the top players in any way you can't pay any amount of money to truly surpass them you have to put in time and i think that's what what has made that game remain successful in and keep a player base is that they've not given any way for a player to pay to compete with the top players you have to put in time at that point i think if if something is going to ask for microtransactions, help people skip some of the mid part of the game, the beginning part of the game, if they really choose to. But but the second that you let it affect or let someone get to the very end levels like they did with EA, EA had it to where you could pretty much pay to get everything. Yes. Um, if they would have had to say, okay, well, you can pay money and you can skip the first half and maybe that'll give you an up to where you'll have more time into the end game, right? Uh, to to be able to compete against people, I think then they wouldn't have crossed the line. But I think that when you say here, you a hundred percent, you can go from beginning to end with enough money without putting any time. I think that's where they cross the line. And I, and I think that's where I kind of crossed my line. And my opinion has always been with these microtransactions. If somebody wants to go and blow thousands of dollars on a game to, to, to do whatever that more power to them. And the I think of this from, I'm not thinking of this from the player standpoint, I'm thinking of this from the, business the company business standpoint the, yep. the the company that is publishing or developing the game if they know that players let's if they know that brian and i will both spend a hundred dollars a piece over a year playing the game they would be stupid not to have an option for brian and i to spend a hundred dollars throughout the year on the game because that's an extra that's a hundred dollars yep. that they're going to be making on somebody that is buying the, like for example you look at any you know like you look at any single player game for the most part that doesn't do dlc they've got your money and that's it. They don't offer anything yep. else. They've got your money one time. And I think that's unfortunately what we saw with H1Z1 a little bit is they realized that just that $40, or what, I don't remember what they used to charge for the combo, $40, I think, or $30 for the H1Z1. Some, some, yeah, I think um, so, $40. And I think they realized, or something like, that. like, hey, th that's not enough to fund the development of the game going forward. We make that we we get we, you know, we get this waterfall of cash right off the bat. Brian and I, I, oh, I don't know about Brian. I have never 
spent more than a I've never spent more than purchasing the game. With yeah, H1Z1. I haven't put any extra money into H1Z1. So beyond purchasing it. Exactly. Um that they've made no money on us. Now we have talked about the game for 3 yeah. years, so I guess they've made they've made money in other ways on it, but in terms of monetary um uh I don't know the word I'd be looking for, so, contribution. Okay, do you think that part of do you think part of this is we've transitioned from a game that, as you mentioned before, it was solo, single player for the most part, to where everything is expected to have some sort of an online continuing element? Uh, before, you'd buy a game and generally there wasn't continued development on it. You were buying a finished game yeah. and the game was delivered to you with an expectation of if there's a major bug, we'll fix it. But this is pretty much the game that you're getting. To where now there's constant development. Everybody wants bug fix. Everyone wants wants new content. Everybody wants this to have some sort of an online play against other players, which has an ongoing cost. It's not like they can release a game and then wash their hands of it. Yeah, there's an ongoing cost to to developing a game now. And that, that how do you fund that once the person's paid you once? Exactly. And you're seeing this movement. I saw this. I don't know how much of the video game awards you watched a couple of weeks ago, Brian. Um, but there was the there was this hashtag, this meme that you know you know, bring back single player games because you really look at, you look at the landscape on games right now. Um, and it seems like Nintendo is the one that is carrying the flagpole for single player, um, outside of, I mean, obviously there's, there's some games that are doing single player as well, but most games coming out today have a significant, if not the main point of the game being multiplayer playing with other people which as brian said continues the development and it makes it damn near impossible for them to um they can't wash their hands they need a constant flow of cash because they've got to pay somebody seventy thousand dollars a year or one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year to 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 be a software a senior or software engineer they've got to have that they've got to have that continued cash roll they can't let the next game that they publish fund the game that they already got their money from eventually they'll run out of money the f- games will be funding games yeah. that are 15 years old that you know that they're continuing to keep up to date so i um it's a very there's it's an interesting dilemma cuz it put you it puts a company in, in an impossible position there it's an impossible situation that that these companies are put in i feel for them and and i know people want to think oh these companies are the bad guys they're businesses folks they're trying to make money they're no different than your local mom and pop convenience store they're no different than the grocery store the gas station or anybody else their their end goal is to make money profit and most of them well not most of them some of them have got very extensive boards with shareholders that require money that they're they look at earnings reports and see how how things are going this isn't just you know of course some people are who've just got these little development houses somebody like miscreated i don't think has a group of shareholders that are driving the game but you look at activision you look at uh a daybreak now which is owned by an investment firm um ubisoft yeah those all have those all have all those companies have quarterly uh, reports and earnings that they that they deal with um the end goal is money, and and it's not it's not pretty to talk about, but it is. The end goal is to make as much money yeah. as possible because they're a business, and that's what businesses do. Now, I I kind of wonder in the early days of video games, and this would be before you were playing video games. So I'm talking in the early '90s. So before I was right? even born, is what you're saying? 
before you, before you were born, I, I remember these companies that were developing games. For them, it seemed like it was more of a passion. Uh-huh. It hadn't become the streamlined business that video game devel- development is now. You'd have groups, companies of, of, of teams, development teams, that were just putting out games that they were willing to put in crazy amounts of time and thought, and they didn't have to produce a game every six months or less. Um, but, you know, this was where video games weren't coming out every week. Nowadays, it seems like every other week you have a, video, a major title coming out in, on some platform. Um, back then, you would get a couple games a year, and everybody would buy those couple games that really was into that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now there's such a competition of we have to release a game with more and every feature and every, like you need to be able to play with your friends and you need to be able to, I think if, you, if as they said, kind of went back to that single player, play a game that's just, is fun to play or play one that's like co-op but local i i think that if if they want a game that can be released and then be left alone it has to be something that's local and get every and the second that you get online people are going to try to figure out glitches they're trying to figure out ways to take advantage of it um back in in like the nintendo days the glitches were something that you know the people learned and it was fun and Mm -hmm. you had the choice of whether or not you wanted to use it because all you're doing is shorting yourself if you choose to use it essentially and skip to the end yeah, so I, I think that the whole way that people play games has changed. Steam, I think, has a huge part to do with it because it instantly brought everything online. People now expect every patch to happen instantly, and now it can be distributed, and there's no real excuse. Um, the infrastructure is all there. I just, it, but it, it comes at a cost. It costs money to maintain all this, and if, it, like, what's let's, let's say with the skins, if if they can if they can find a way to subsidize some of that cost with skins, there are plenty of people out there that are willing to pay for them, pay for the, the, the skins to be able to fund that for the company. Absolutely. Uh, but, but I think if, if you get to the pay to win models, you get to anything that impacts gameplay. I don't think there's a win. I don't think there's a correct way to do that. I, I haven't seen a correct way to do it other than limiting it so much to where all it's doing is, as I said, helping you up to that first half. But very few companies actually do that. Most of them will allow you to pay, 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 and they never hold themselves back to limit it because at some point, all it becomes is it becomes about is the dollar. Uh, and, and so they, it's hard to say, well, okay, well, where, at what point do we say that's enough and, and we need to preserve the game itself? Well, you know, it, I, I don't, I think there's got to be a point to where they're wanting to preserve the game because they love their game versus we just have to make as much money as possible because it's, it might be gone next year. Like, you know, people may move on and play a different game. Absolutely. And you said a whole bunch of stuff there. So I want to kind of bullet point a couple of things. You mentioned how games back in the eighties were developed. Some of them, most of them, a majority of whatever were developed with passion. It was people that really wanted, um, you know, they really wanted the game or whatever to succeed or, or the, or the, you know, they, they want, they loved, oh, I'd love to play a, uh, Western MMO. So I'm go I'm yeah. going to go ahead and build one, you know, of course, using that as a, as a bad example. I 
kind of disagree with you. Of course, now we've got these big companies that are making games, but I think early access and crowdfunding with Kickstarter is opening back up that tunnel that I think closed probably just by looking at games that seem to have closed probably in the mid to late 90s and has been closed yeah. until I mean, Kickstarter and that crowdfunding stuff came out about 2011, 2012 um, when that started really picking up some steam. So it seems like that window is now possibly just reopened in the past few years for people to say, hey, my passion is to build this kind of game. Let me see if I can't raise $10,000 to do it or, or $50,000. But, but the it. people on Kickstarter tend to not ask for all these microtransactions. When you do something on Kickstarter, usually those games, because, because they're done with people that actually have a passion for the game itself, mm -hmm. usually those games are... I mean, you can you might be able to get something during the Kickstarter, but generally those are games that are released and they aren't packed with microtransactions at that point. So I I don't know. I don't know if that'll ever change, but I think there's enough of a passion in there that until these companies and we've had some of these major companies or people that came from major studios try to do some Kickstarters, and the issue is is the way that they did their presentations, you could really tell that it was all about the dollars. It wasn't about the love for that title. It wasn't about the love for that game. Um, there were a few of them that maybe m helped make a game in, in the 80s or 90s, and they wanted to make something that uh, kind of referenced or was a, a tribute to that game. Those ones had passion, but I saw some that said, hey, you know, we helped make this game. We helped make this game. You know, now we want to make you this game. Um, and I think they just saw it as a, well, let's, here's a way that I can use my, my status in having made some games before to get some, e you know, what they considered easy money with minimal risk, right. Um, uh, from Kickstarter, but the, and like one of those ones that I'm thinking of in particular didn't kickstart, even though it was a solid, I mean, it, it was by solid developers that people could tell these guys, all they had done is put together. They didn't start working on it before. All they had was art and all they had was, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Um, the ones that go to Kickstarter, usually they've been doing it for a while already and they're showing you, Hey, here's something that we love to work on. We want you to help us with it, you know, help finish it, help fund it. Yeah. Um, I, I think this, that as long as Kickstarter can, can remain pure and keep those people that are purely about just the money out of it, then you'll, you'll maintain that. But I think, I think you see, once a few of them start making it and actually get funded, it's going to probably pollute uh, Kickstarter. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess the, the, the whole, and so I guess we could, let's transition to this then, because the original question was asked to me, the quality level of a game between a, not even a free-to-play. I think this would be the better conversation to have, Brian, and we can throw free-to-play into this. Early access versus final finished product i know Full people release. i know people hate we've been talking about it for a while but call of duty brian and i have been playing a lot of call of duty recently with lance and ross and a couple of other people um and we've and we've just been having a really good time that of while it has its issues is the definition of a polished game i mean they've they've got it there are yes there are issues i get it but the core game is polished it really really yes. is and that's um, that's missed on a lot of these early access yeah. games, and of course that's what you're paying for. But when when I when we go and play AAA titles at like like a Call of Duty, 
it's an eye-opening experience really because like the the issues in early access don't exist like those game breaking yeah. bugs that persist for for weeks and months and linger because the development team can't figure it out and I'm not blaming them I'm just saying there's these big issues that arise and they can't figure out how to fix it that stuff typically doesn't happen in these games um this yeah. last cod is not the best example of it because there were some issues um but triple a titles in, in general are higher quality and, and but you unfortunately you pay that price tag well fortunately I would say you pay that price tag $60 versus $29 well, and I, I think that I, I think that a lot of the early access games are the ones that usually come from studios that don't have a lot of funding that or possibly they haven't released a lot of titles. Now, the issue is when we look at early access, when a, when a company like Daybreak comes into early access, there's not really an excuse for them to be in early access. They're a full development company. Correct that already had the engine and a lot of the mechanics in place. Uh, I think that we were kind of hoodwinked in a way when we got, when, when we, when we purchased H one Z one originally, because, uh, like the, the game, as far as H one Z one just survive, um, you know, the game that we paid for hasn't really changed. I mean, it, it has some recent changes, but it, it didn't really change from that first early access that we purchased versus up to a year ago, you know, and that's a couple year period of there. It never really changed. And so, uh, you know, you, you look at them and you say, well, what were they doing? And I, I think with them there, they shouldn't have gone early access. I think for them, early access has turned into something to, that has actually harmed the company. I think it has harmed the product to where they're never getting done because they keep following all these whims of all these people and people's opinions have even changed about what they wanted over the year. So I, I think with that, that's a bad thing. I think with early access, where it really comes into play is when you have companies that maybe wouldn't be, they don't have a lot of funds to work with. They don't have a lot of previous titles and they don't, they need some way like, uh, like some of these games to, to have funding to be able to finish. It takes a lot of money to finish a game. Yeah. Now, if a studio like, like EA puts out an early access game, there's no excuse. Like they don't need to. If they're doing it, they're doing it because they want to milk something is what I gather out of it. They want to get some money out of it somehow. It has nothing to do with the product itself. There's no, they don't have to be in early access. They don't have to kickstart a game. To have a cash they cow. have the account to do they, it. They've got yeah, the, they have the money to do it. Yeah. And, but, and, but the problem is, is you look, I mean, Daybreak shouldn't have needed, they didn't need the money and they shouldn't have kickstarted it. I think it's because it was such an unpolished un product. They were like, well, we just want to get it out to you and get the hype out there. And that worked, like a lot of people bought it. But um, I think in the long run, if we, back then, I don't think you could have convinced us of that. But I think if you look at it now and look at the history of it, you would have said, well, I would have rather have waited until it was a polished product and then decide if I wanted to buy it. So I... When, when we ended up paying for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that in some cases, and we're starting to see this now, and it's only going to, I believe, continue, is that we're going to be finding out that early access itself is, um, is, is as you said, doing more harm to these companies and to these games than it is helping. I think the, uh, I personally believe... Look maybe, at Rust. Look, well, look at Rust. 
But I personally think, and maybe this is just me being ignorant. I, I don't know what you think. I, I really think when companies come up or, or, and I keep saying companies, a lot of these early access games are literally a couple of people. But when these developers are bringing their early access game to the market, I think in most cases, all of the intentions are good. And then I think yeah. the reality hits once the game is out that, you know, our plan, our business plan wasn't sufficient to what we were. You know, and in some cases, I don't think a plan was really devised at all. Um, I, I hate to beat up yeah. on them. It's like, I just want to, I want to make this game is probably the original thinking. Exactly. And I, again, I hate to beat up on them, but H1Z1 is, we're looking at a game right now where we've got the just survive mode, which was for, for months or for, for months hyped up to be this new mode with more, more like an, it was more like an MMO um, with, with all yeah. of this base building and re auto regeneration and, and all this stuff. And then it seems like the wind changed direction and that all of that changed and it went back to what it is right now with just new materials, which if they would have just circumvented this entire stupid MMO idea, which I personally liked, but it's stupid now because it's gone. If they could have just circumvented that and introduced new materials, they could have leapfrogged. They could have leapfrogged like a like probably eight months, six months worth of time, yeah. and 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 we'd be at a much better spa uh, state than we are this second. So I think there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. But I think one of the big things, and maybe this isn't the case with bigger game companies, but with some of these smaller companies, is they don't have a sufficient business plan. They aren't laying out yeah. goals, objective timelines, and that's tough. And I'm in a business now where I've uh, I'm watching the the uh, you know, I'm watching the butter being churned. Um, I'm seeing the insides of how a business operates, how a successful business operates. And it's because of planning and projections and timelines and having everything written down on paper. And, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of game development just kind of flies by, you know, it flies by the seat of their pants. And then you run into situations where six months are being spent developing an idea. And then one day it's just canned. Yeah, which is well, and I think this is part of the issue with with early access is now all of a sudden the community, the players of the game are now feeling like they get, have the right to give input on what the the game is going to turn out to be. When you have a game that's released and generally the development of it is hidden, uh, you know it's done with private beta testers, and and people don't see the product until it's done. That you know. The, when all of a sudden you have people giving input, as I said, look at Rust. Whatever whatever Rust was supposed to be, whatever Rust was in the mind of the developers yeah. coming into it, we have no clue. It's a mishmash. Because along the way, it was lost. Um, whatever Rust was supposed to be, whatever story was behind it, whatever dream he had uh, of, of trying to betray in the world of Rust because the players got a hold of it and turned it into what they what they wanted it to be the true goal of that game is gone and so that that for me is a perfect example of when you give the community what they think they want uh you know it'll turn turn into a game that most people are unwilling to play oh absolutely and i think we've we've seen that with H1Z1 it's turned into a game that most people are unwilling to play uh, because they kept on kowtowing to different people's, oh, we want this, we want this, we want this, rather than saying, here's what we're going to put out. You know, we'll take a little bit of feedback, but, you know, here's our goal and here's what we think will be a game that people will enjoy. Um, you know, now you have, for example, Rust, where 
the game is just it's just a bunch of trolls running around and, and i'm pretty sure that you know on public servers most of the population of people who even own the game log in and they're like i just i don't want to play this game oh, absolutely you know, they get turned off instantly because of what the game is turned into when it could have been a perfectly wonderful idea from the start yeah and uh so and on that uh, real quickly Brian, if you could reconnect on that link i sent you um and, and sure. obviously we're seeing with rust now well not with rust but we're seeing with the with the face punch team they are releasing a new rush uh rust ish type game that looks like it has more story it's got it's a little more planned out and it seems like this one is not going to turn into the the mishmash of what rust has turned into which was essentially the community deciding everything which it, yeah. it took a long time but we did find out that the community deciding everything doesn't always necessarily make the best product or the best game um so that's obviously what this new game by Gary and Face Punch is. It, it seems like it's very similar to Rust, but it's it's probably not. But it have actually those. has a, a backstory. It has characters. Yes. It has like elements that create a world, which is what got totally lost. Um, that was, has been our biggest complaint about Rust, and the thing that we've said: well, we want to create a private server so we can actually experience the world and see it beyond just having people kill each other constantly. Um, you never actually get to see the world and explore and learn anything about it uh, just because the way the game is built and, and gathering what they've put out about this this new game so far having npcs and and just all these things that are supposed to distract you and have you maybe focus on something other than hunting down and, and blowing up or, or destroying everyone around you which seems fun when you're the ones who are at that moment blowing people up but the second the tables turn the, you know the game becomes no longer fun and so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And I, I'm sure that he would, Gary would have some interesting input. And, and I've heard, I've seen him make comments that kind of talk about how he, he, he has said the game that I want it to be, you know, d doesn't exist because the, you know, the players, you know, they, they want something different, the players that are playing it now. And so he's just, he's given them what they want, but I'm hoping that this new one, is actually going to be a game that doesn't get taken over by trolls because Gary's mod has got a lot of trolls on it. Yes. Rust has a lot of trolls on it. Yeah. And so, so far, everything he's made is, is just, it, it's been taken over by trolls. So well, I don't know if he's a Gary's mod that that's become his meme. Well, it may or may not. Gary's mod was developed as a troll game. That was the whole point of Gary's mod. It was do whatever you want. Yeah. Rust, I don't believe, was designed for that. That's unfortunately what it's. I don't think that was into. his intention. Um, but this next game, I I would be very surprised if this next game falls into that. Um, it just doesn't. It just doesn't seem like the next game is being built. Uh, it seems like it would be a big waste of the resources yeah. just to make another one of those games. Like that, they're putting so much time. Because most people don't care about all those buildings and art in Rust. Like they're not going around and saying, "Oh, this is a beautiful world." Because the second you start looking around, you get an arrow in the back of the head. Exactly. Um, so I, I think I, I don't think that they're going to put a lot of time and resources. I think most of the stuff that they've been doing in Rust is been a lot of preparing and like getting technology and and things structured for this new game. I think that that's probably their passion. I mean, the reason that they have the helicopter or no, they took the helicopter. They turned that into a dragon. They, the tank probably has something to do with something that's roaming around. Um, you know, then they have animal AI and all these new things that they put in 
And then we find out what it really seems like it's all AI and stuff that they've been working on and testing for this new game. Because most of it you never see. Like the characters roaming around Rust, um, they're, you know, they're not serving any purpose. I think that all that is just them testing AI for all this this new game coming out. The, I, and I and I would agree with you with that. Um, fortunately, Rust has got some really unbelievable tech um, with some of the stuff they're doing with those with the AI and and the NPCs with uh, specifically those tanks that roam the military um, base. It's um, it's very cool, and I think it's going to allow them to build a really really kick ass game that's going to have some you know that's going to have a story uh associated with it so yeah. I, i'm very excited for that uh i guess moving on from rust here brian is we're about 40 minutes into the program uh, i guess uh, we could wrap we could wrap this up wrap this segment up the show's only gonna be about an hour uh tonight um because it's a special broadcast but wrapping up uh, the the whole free to pay versus uh pay to play we haven't really talked about dlc a whole lot we, we covered on a little bit with microtransactions yeah. DLCs are another enemy, like microtransactions, that for whatever peop- reason, people have this visceral reaction to the word DLC. Um, like, it, like a company yeah. is just supposed to provide me free content, and, uh, or it's, excuse me, a company is supposed to spend a whole bunch of money in R&D developing something, and then I'm just supposed to you know, hand, uh, hold up my silver platter, and they're supposed to place it on it. Um, like go walk I mean, into is, Ark is the perfect example. Yeah. Literally, I mean, look at look at their their Steam rating. The second that they put out a DLC, yeah. uh, they what went the from having a, a probably a, probably a very a, whatever the, I don't remember the exactly the positive rating that they had, but uh, they had a positive rating on Steam, and then they put out a DLC with all new textures, all new map, all new all new dinosaurs and creatures, uh, like just a whole bunch of new mechanics and it was it wasn't an outrageous price it's not like they were charging $60 for that uh, and then people freaked out because they said oh your game is still in in early access but i mean you and i have played a lot of early access games and we've said this before that game is more polished at that point was more polished than many of the games that that have set, have finished development <laughs> Absolutely. And, and are supposedly, you know, done with, with early access. I mean, it's much more stable than H1Z1. Um, it's got more features than H1Z1. I mean, you could you could list off a number of games, even even Rust. You look at Rust and the building mechanics, you could say that the arc was at least on that tier. And then then there was a lot of other things, you know, with all the dinosaurs and everything else beyond it. Um, so I think that. I, I don't know. I like. I, I just think that that when when a company releases a DLC, if they put out something that's such a strong product, like Aberration is now, yeah, and 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 Scorched Earth was then, that that should be paid for extra. Just like when we get the season pass for Call of Duty, like mm-hmm. okay, you have all this stuff that's well worth that. You know what we purchased the original game for. It's worth what we got. Yes. But then we also want to have access to all these additional maps and content and work that's put out. So I'm willing to pay that extra because once again, if they're putting in the extra time to develop past the original promised product, we should expect to pay for that. Yeah. And I think that that's where, that's where people kind of lose sight 
is how much time and the fact that they had to keep this full development team on to be able to maintain this. Um, yeah, Brian, you're a little out of sync. If you, I'm sorry, I apologize. If you could reconnect for me, you're just out of sync. A little I'll bit. refresh one more time. Um, I mean, I just, and of course, if anybody that has played Ark, they will realize how unbelievably polished a product like Ark is. And just to see the reaction, and I don't know what it is, Brian. I don't know. I personally, I don't feel I've ever been screwed by DLC. Typically, DLC is not that expensive. I mean, we're talking 10 maybe $20 at the most um, for, uh, for a single DLC. I and mean, $20 is, is pushing it. Um, it's not like DLC is $150 and you're getting screwed on it. It's In the grand scheme of things, it, at least I think for most people, $10 is not a life-changing amount of money. So I don't. Yeah. What what is this reaction to deal? Why is the reaction to this DLC stuff? It, it's astonishing to me that people. Oh, DLC. Oh, 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 DLC. DLC. Why? What's wrong with DLC? What's the problem here? Companies produce it just like they produce the regular. You don't have a problem paying for the freaking game, but you have a problem paying for. In some cases, like Ark, it was literally an entire another game, like a complete yeah. game for what fifteen dollars. What's yeah. the, wh where's the logic there? And I would have rather had, like, let's say for originally H1Z1, if, if King of the Kill was a DLC, like it was a DLC for their online, like a certain battle mode, I would have rather had that than the whole splitting of games that they did. Mm -hmm. And now there's two separate games that you had to pay for. Um, you know, I, I think if a game, if, if they're using a lot of the same infrastructure and a lot of the same mechanics in a game, just release the DLC and like they could have, they could have easily done and probably saved themselves a lot of work with H1Z1. But you know, if, if you're using a lot of the same mechanics releases as a DLC, put it as a, underneath this other game. And there's some games that have put out, they, they're able to continue developing content in a game that may be five years old still feels new because they're putting out these DLCs that keep current and, and things, feeling modern they're able to keep the game updated and fund their game so I, I think i'd rather have that than all these skins and and microtransactions personally i'd rather pay once for the dlc for what i feel it's worth rather than constantly asking me for money and me never having the full product i like be, having the ability to have the full product for one price yes like, even if it you know even if it's a price that i paid for the dlc afterwards i know i bought call of duty mm -hmm. and i have the ability if I'm willing to put the time in to get everything that's in there, it may take me a long time to get all the crates, yeah. but I have the ability to get everything if I want. Um, and I believe you purchased the digital deluxe version of that game. Yes. Okay. So just like, just like I did. Um, and every DLC that comes out for that game, you and I will have, and guess what? I didn't bat an eye at spending a hundred dollars on that. Getting that. And, and, and you know, you'll get your money out of it. And guess what? I'm a COD fan, so maybe my opinion doesn't matter, but I could speak for Brian. I don't believe, Brian, you had any hesitation to purchasing the $60 versus the $100 game. Was that, would, that, would that be an accurate statement? No, because, yeah, because I, I had confidence from what you had told me. You said they're going to have additional maps and like they put out more content and, and they have a, a history of doing it. And so I had full confidence that. It, you know, if, if I enjoy the game, I'm going to get my money's worth out of, of out of this extra DLC. Exactly. Um, and and because Call of Duty and Activision Blizzard have got the track record, I don't have any concern that I'm getting that. Actually, we will have the DLC. The DLC typically comes out every three months, so we'll have DLC early in 2017. And I'm not concerned in the slide. Oh, excuse me, early 2018. 
I'm not concerned at all. Like I, I'm just I, I didn't I loved actually to be perfectly honest with you, Brian. I almost loved paying for it up front because I set that a hundred dollars aside to purchase the game back in November, and six months from six months from then, we're going to be getting into spring of 2018. I'm going to be essentially getting free DLC, and of course, that's a that's a that's a a, a mental thing. But it's just nice to know that I set that money aside and I'm going to get three or four DLC packs and I'm not going to have to put another penny into the game because I don't buy crates. Well, I'd be nervous giving a game to to kids, uh, you know, having a parent purchase a game for kids where they're con- the game is constantly asking for them to pay for these microtransactions because then there's a pressure on the parents. The kid was like, well, I want this. I want this. I'd rather get them a game that I can say, all right, so... The max that I ever have to pay for this game, I'm I'm willing to put that hundred dollars down, and then you'll have full access to everything eventually. Like you'll have everything that comes out for the game, rather than the kid saying, "Hey, can I have ten dollars to spend on, you know, for skins? Can I have ten dollars to spend for skins?" Because you know what, over the long run, they'll probably squeeze more than a hundred bucks out of you. Absolutely, I mean, and that's I, just the way it works. And that's the big issue with the mobile games right now is you've got this issue, and and Apple and and Google have been under some heat for this for not like uh, pretty much allowing kids to and of course we've talked about this in the past we talked about it with gambling a couple of a couple of weeks ago at the end of the day it does come down to the parents responsibility to babysit their children and not allow your son or daughter to spend 150 dollars on your credit card playing a mobile game yeah um because i can and i talked about this in the show my ass would have been beaten beyond belief if I would have spent $150 on Xbox Live on my mother's uh, debit card, she, my father would have kicked my ass and I would have deserved it Yeah, because there's under no circumstances would I just go out there and spend $150. Now, is $150 going to change my parents' life? Absolutely not. But that's not the point. It's the fact of that, that it was instilled in me that, hey, you can't just go and because, oh, look at me, I'm an idiot. I'm going to just go and drop $150 on Xbox Live games. That's not how it works. And that's part of the issue with these yeah. mobile games is they're enticing children to purchase it. But at the same respect, these parents are playing the victim card when in the reality, have some freak, your kids need to have some freaking discipline. Like, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't believe that one day a kid sits down and spends $150 on microtransactions. I would imagine it starts off with $10 here, like you were saying, Brian, $10 here, $10 here, $10 here, and then and then $20 and then 50 and the next thing you know five you know $150 charge for Clash of Clans or Mobile Strike yeah. or any of these other games in my opinion it's a progression thing and it's just it's just shitty parenting is i mean what it really comes down yeah. to but the but the blame game is on um who owns Clash of Clans um it's a big studio um did you sell i think did you sell but i believe they're owned by somebody maybe they're not um I'm thinking of Candy Crush. I mean, I'm Clash sorry. Clans, I'm, I was thinking of Candy Crush. Who's Clash of Clans mind. made them. I mean, they made them a major. But that's what I'm saying. They're, I mean, they're owned by Blizzard. They got lots of money. They're they're, they're owned by by Blizzard. Oh, Candy Crush. Yeah, is? they are. Um, or Act. Yeah, Blizzard Activision. So, you know, but but as I said earlier, if Candy Crush or um first uh, Mobile Strike or Cash of Clans can show, no people are going to spend. We talked about this the other day. Three hundred and seventy thousand dollars was being spent. Like a day in microtransactions. If they can know that that money's in the market, why would they not implement it? And me, yeah. as a player, well, I, I mean, I don't play those games, but me as, as the consumer there, good for them. I don't have to buy it. But if you want to go ahead, Brian, and drop $500 a week playing Clash of Clans, more power to you because it doesn't affect my life. You can do whatever you want. If it's okay with you and your wife, that that's great. That's 
that's yeah. that's fantastic. Well, but even but even look at a game like WoW. I mean, if you look at, at the ongoing, everyone who plays WoW pays sixty dollars for each new expansion that comes out, mm-hmm. right? And they pay fifteen dollars a month, every month. And the 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 millions of people that have played that, um, obviously those people that that pay it and play it feel that there's value in it and they feel that it's worth it. Um, I think that there is, if, if Blizzard stopped producing and stopped putting out the content and to where that $15 didn't seem valuable, valuable anymore. If they stopped putting out releases that seemed, uh, huge enough to, to be able to say $60 is, is, is something I'm willing to pay for that people will stop doing it and the market will will straighten it out. People will stop paying the $15 a month. People will stop paying for the $60 expansions and they did for a while. And I think that Blizzard adjusted and said, "All right, well let's let's change the content that we're putting out and people are starting to come back to it." So, I personally I think that if you put out a product that is that people are want and obviously if people are putting out that kind of money they want it then, you know, I, I have no issue with, with Blizzard charging that kind of money. Nope, neither do I. Because they're putting out something that people feel is valuable. If they quit doing it, people will stop playing it and they won't have the ability to do it anymore. So, uh, you know, the free market evens all of this stuff out. You know, we may like it or not. Um, you know, and if enough people in EA ran into this, uh, that's got one of the lowest ratings, I think, of any game. Uh, it, I'm trying to remember like the most Reddit downvotes, something stupid, but uh, this this new Star Wars one that they did had a really bad acceptance. The worst Reddit post and ever, so, like literally yeah, like hundreds of thousands of downvotes. Yeah, the worst post ever. And so if you look at that, that's something where the market will adjust it. Exactly. They'll be like, well, obviously, if we want to make money on the next one, we've got to change something. <laughs> and they will. Yes, absolutely. You don't need legislation. You don't need any of that. Free market. The free market will will fix those issues. And, and it, so sometimes you'll have bad things come out, but you got to be willing. Just don't spend your money on it. If you don't like it, the best way to, rather than downvoting on Reddit, <laughs> if you can, don't buy the game. And we've been saying this for months, Brian. Years we've been saying this, Brian. And this is just in general yep. with everything. We talk about politics, video games, anything in life. Your decision, your voice doesn't. I hate to be the I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, Brian. Your voice doesn't yeah. matter unless, of course, you're the Infection Podcast, where the you know the voice of God. Um, but you know, yep. your voice doesn't matter. It's 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 your wallet. This is what matters, Brian. Your freaking credit card, your cash. That's what matters. It's not you downvoting yeah. a rope post on Reddit. It's just about the game, you idiot. You've they've already got your money. They don't care if you downvote it on Reddit or tweet EA and say, "I hate you. I'm never buying another one of their games." Because they know damn well the next time they release Battlefield Five, your sorry ass is going to go to Origin and buy it. That's the problem. Yeah. We're mentally ill. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down so, to. I mean, did you ever see that South Park episode about that was talking about Walmart? I don't think and, I've ever seen the Walmart um, episode, no. So Walmart Walmart comes into town, whatever they call it in South Park. Of course, they don't call it Walmart. But Walmart comes out, comes into town, and everybody is so mad because it's it's running these small businesses out of business. Uh-huh. And so everybody's like, We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna not go to Walmart and they're boycotting Walmart. Uh and, but then when it, 
everybody still goes shopping at Walmart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and so like one guy runs in, he's like, oh, I just, I just you know, it's, it's midnight and I just got to get and it's some stupid thing that he's got to pick up. <laughs> but, I, but I've got to get this. I got to have to get it now. So he walks in there and uh, and all these people that are supposedly boycotting it with him are all inside of Walmart shopping at that moment. And it's like, he's like, well, why are you here? And he's like, I was just coming here to check to make sure you guys weren't here. And it's like, well, <laughs> if you don't want to support it, if, if you supposedly don't want it, quit funding it. Exactly. The, the Walmarts, if you don't like Walmarts and you want it and you want small businesses to make it go buy at those small businesses but you want to know the secret you'll probably still go to walmart yeah um and, and i've been trying this hard recently I've, I've not been a fan of some of the recent stuff that amazon has been doing um with, yeah. with and i'm not going to get into the politics of it but some of the stuff that they've recently been doing i have j- almost completely cut amazon out of what i buy i, I yeah. honest to god do not purchase much on Amazon anymore. I used to have an Amazon package coming once, maybe twice a week. Um, the last thing I got from Amazon was a Christmas present for somebody. And that came yeah. three weeks ago um, that I purchased to, 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 to give to somebody. So I have you know, decided per se with my wallet that I'm not going to spend money on Amazon. And I've been buying some stuff on eBay instead of buying it on Amazon uh, or going to yeah. hell, going to Walmart. I mean, and, and buying it there. So, but, but that's the thing is we're all hypocrites. I've said this a thousand times. Brian and I have been hypocrites. We've talked about, Hey, you got to go play the test server. Brian, and I don't play the test server. We're hypocrites. Everybody's yeah. a hypocrite, but at some point you can't say this is the worst thing ever. I hate it, but Oh, here you go. Here's another $60. Oh, EA, you make the worst games ever. Here's a $60. Oh, I and here's another, take my money. Yeah. And here's another $40 <laughs> for season pass. Like you are the problem. And I'm not I'm not coming after anybody in specific here, but and, and guess what, folks? I am the problem as well. Because in the same sentence, I'll say I hate Activision, yet I just spent a hundred dollars on their system, and our buddy Lance spent like nine hundred dollars buying the PlayStation, the headset, and the game to play it. Like it, he, but he'll still complain about Activision the same way I will. We're total hypocrites. I get it. But we can I understand yeah. what I'm doing. Like I'm not tr- I'm not trying to sit here and be oh well I'm in complete denial I understand I get it but that's the decision has to be made that if we don't like what EA does we don't buy EA games why is that such a hard yeah. thing to understand the at, no, the next EA game that comes out should have atrocious launch sale numbers atrocious based on what they did with this last Star Wars game nobody should buy that game but I can guarantee you Brian. People. Guarantee you, people, including myself, because it's just what you do. The, oh, I'm buying. I'm buying the next battlefield, Brian. Doesn't matter what they do. I'll buy the next battlefield. I'm being dead serious. I will buy the next battlefield the same way I'll buy the next Call of Duty, because I have zero self control. Well, and, and, and but there will be a point to where if they put out enough trash games in a row, correct, you will lose that automatic sense of I have to buy this game because there are other games that people used to always buy that have faded off. And, and I think that they can beat that out of you eventually. But the thing is, is when they had enough solid titles in a row, you may have had one bad one here and you're like, the next one wasn't that bad. Um, there's always been the sense that, okay, we will come back to this. Um, if, if they don't fix their, their fix their act by the next game or the next two games, I think that uh, I, th- I think that you know they could eventually get you to stop buying those games. Yes, they can over time. But you're you're always willing to give them one more chance. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, I usually they'll, they'll look at the response and they'll put out something that doesn't have the same problems. Hopefully. No, no exactly. Uh, it's, it's, you know, for them, it comes down to the dollar. Line. If, if people didn't buy one title, uh, they'll realize, okay, well, we didn't make enough money off of that one. What do we need to change to get people to buy it again? You're, you're spot on. Um, so I guess it's here, Brian, we're, we're coming close to the end of the program. Um, I guess we'll just wrap up on, on our final thoughts on this whole thing. We unfortunately we didn't have a chance to get into some of the other stuff, but we'll talk about those things on the show going forward. Um, you know, I, I, there's a whole bunch of things. Going back to orig- original topic, you're talking about free-to-play versus premium. We'll just kind of maybe do a quick summary here. Um, there's trade-offs. I mean, there are trade-offs. You can spend $60 on a final product, or um, you can get lucky and maybe fund something at, and, and this is more of the early access thing, but maybe you can get lucky and fund something at $20. Like ARC, I, I got a hell of a deal on ARC. So did you, and so did everybody else that bought an early access. You got a hell of a deal on a game. Um, yep. they lucked out case in point, uh, hide and hold out H2O. Um, uh, that game is, uh, is a joke. I mean, it, it came out, bought it, development stopped, development restarted, development has now ceased to exist on hide and hold out. Um, yeah. so some, I mean, it's, it's a gamble <laughs> and, uh, it's rolling the dice. Sometimes you're going to get a bad early access game. And unfortunately, those bad games are making it really tough for the good games like Ark to, to rise above. Fortunately, Ark has, but the next Ark is probably... Here's, here's a reality for you, Brian. The next Ark and the next PUBG are most likely sitting on the Steam Marketplace right now, available to purchase. Yeah. And those are probably the don't. two most successful early access games that we've seen so far. Yep. So they're sitting there. Well, and... and- one other, I mean, one other thing is you look at a game like Heroes and Generals, uh-huh. and that's a game that the the pay to win model has gone out of control, and they've realized that the microtransactions people are willing to pay, and it's in a way turned into a form of what we find on a lot of these games. People go out and buying cheats. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a company generated, you know, from the developer way for a person to buy a cheat so we'll make it to where you have way more abilities than anyone else if you're willing to put enough money into it and i think that that is the negative aspect of all of this is that as companies kind of lose sight and focus too much on the money uh, they turn their game into something like that which then just becomes not very much fun for the people that want to casually play it Uh, i i think that we'll always have because of the free market i think we'll always have games out there that are worth playing and are done in the correct manner um, because you know people are going to be willing to pay for a game that they feel like like arc a lot of people play that game because they feel like there's a lot of content and it's not you know the players are generally equal if they put in equal time same thing with PUBG. when you go a lot of people are playing PUBG because you know when you go into a match you have an equal amount of chance of winning that match as anyone else. I mean, skill will come into it and determine that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of luck. But you going into the match have an identical chance of winning in the end as whatever professional player or whatever person, regardless of how much money they have. So I, I think that being that games have short shelf lives now, um, if you don't like one game, move on to a different one. You know, you don't have to play just like the Walmart. You don't have to shop there. 
go exactly. on. If, if you don't like how a game is played, if you don't like Call of Duty, if you don't like Battlefield, if you don't like H1Z1, and that's how I've chosen to deal with H1Z1, I don't enjoy playing H1Z1 anymore. Do you know the secret? I quit playing it. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, quit playing it, it only does so much. They've already got your money. Um, but, you know, of course, yeah. you can't hop back. You got to write time. it off. Exactly. Walk away. Um, <laughs> Um, but like a gamble, early access is a gamble, especially, I mean, we won, we won in the gamble with arc, uh, and we have games that we've lost in. Yeah. I mean, it's a, so. it's a, it's a total, total gamble. Um, it, it's not, here's the thing real, real quick. And then, and then we, we can, we can wrap it up. When you're buying a game, make it make an educated decision think about it play through it and guess what because i see this online all the time oh i spent four dollars on a game and uh, you know uh, uh, it, it was terrible now i don't have any money then you shouldn't have bought the 40 dollars game make a better decision yeah. like uh, th- th- this really just all comes down to um you know people making better decisions just make a better decision and, 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 you know, there are some shitty early access games. I've gotten screwed by them. Brian's got screwed by them. And I've got screwed by uh, right, full release games. Um, what was that stupid space game that I had to buy? Um, uh, I, don't, I don't even remember uh, what it is. The, the one where the guy lied about it being... Uh, you play, all the hype. Yeah, people, play, people play with your friends. I know exactly what it is. On Stephen Colbert's show saying, oh, you're going to love playing this game with your friends. I don't even remember what the stupid game is called. Uh, remember, the developer's first name is Sean. Um, but I, I got screwed. Guess what? I, it is what it is. I don't lose sleep over it. And we complain about everybody, but it's more in a joking fashion. I'm not being serious. No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. It's not a serious fashion. Now people can quit smelling, yelling at their screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. It's, uh, you know, right away I was a little upset, but honest to God, I have not thought about it since I stopped playing it, which was like three days before, three days after it came out. There's a reason they call it disposable income. The money that you spend on games should be disposable income. Um, the second that you're going into to where you feel like you're out because you spent money and you didn't, you know, and you're now not getting your money's worth on it. Um, you know, and you feel like, oh man, I, I, I don't have any money. <laughs> That's that means that wasn't disposable income anymore. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it, if just like people who go out and they'll buy a hundred lottery tickets with money that that was all the money they had. <laughs> That's not wise decisions. That's not disposable income at that point. Uh, and you know you got to treat games in the exact exact same way. You won't go out and spend your whole paycheck on lottery tickets. You know if you have an extra dollar here, you may think it's fun to go, you know, throw it at a lottery ticket. But uh, you know, same with video games. Just keep it in perspective. And if you know, think of it as when I'm buying that game, if I get nothing more than having it load into the game, me running around for ten minutes and then quitting. Is that am I going to be totally upset? If you wouldn't be comfortable flushing that money down the toilet, you shouldn't buy the game. And I'm being dead serious with that analogy. I'm being dead serious. If you can't crumple up forty dollars and flush it down the toilet, you probably shouldn't buy a forty dollars early access game. That I, I just because yep. there's a good chance you are literally flushing that money down the toilet. Yeah, and that's where you can go in and buy a polished, finished game. Like take that money and buy a game that you know has a good track record, record mm-hmm. has good ratings. Like has a solid, uh, you know, there's a lot of games that you could go in there and 
say, you know what, this is a solid game. Um, a lot of people have played this game and they have positive, they, they, after they were done with the game, they said, you know what, that was a good game. Go spend your $40 on that. And then if you later feel like you have enough money to throw away on one of these early access games, do it. Yeah. But don't, don't throw away. Like if you're looking for, this is the one game I'm buying this month. Just hold off. Don't go buying every early access or kickstarting everything because you're going to lose your money. I mean, on half of them. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Alrighty, um, Mr. Aldridge. Well, uh, we've been going about an hour here. Um, and I do of course want to wish everybody uh, that is tuning into this. I uh, hope, hopefully you had a Merry Christmas, a safe Christmas and, um, Brian, it's going to be crazy, but the next show we're going to do is going to be in 2018, and we're going to be coming up to our three-year anniversary um, yes, very quickly. soon. I think it's like 156 or something is is, is three. It's going to be three weeks from this episode, maybe. Three weeks from this episode. Okay, so that would be so 157. Three, something like that. Um, and uh, we're, we're here. <laughs> we're, we're staying here. Um, so, again, hope everybody had a, uh, had a Merry Christmas, Brian. Merry Christmas to you, and um, we'll give you your regular yes. plug. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, if you want to find me at Boise Computer on Twitter, or you're more than welcome, go check out my blog, biteoftech.com. And of course, I encourage you to go to our website. Uh, we have an excellent resource over there of show notes, and we have uh, links to our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel, if you want to catch us live. Uh, we have our Discord, if you want to help... Uh, input on what kind of news we talk about maybe stories that we cover uh, or just want to do a chat throughout the day uh, play some games with some of your friends come check out our website and on the right hand side join server little green button and then of course our podcast and i always encourage you uh, maybe when you have a, a moment sit down and leave a review or uh, or just go through and make sure we're listed in all the places that you think about that we should be because that helps us out quite a bit because uh, you know, if we're not available, people won't listen. So thank Absolutely. you very much. Hopefully you all have a Merry Christmas. Yes, Brian, a Merry Christmas to you and your wife and the rest of your family. Merry Christmas to everybody out there tuning into this broadcast. Hopefully you had a great one. You can follow me on Twitter at Nicholas M. Craig. Of course, check out our website, InfectionPodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter for the latest updates, uh, Game of the Week, so on and so forth, at InfectionCast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Nick Craig. This is Infection Podcast from our Infection Podcast family to yours. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. We will see you in 2018.